to yet another edition of Let Me Tell You Something. And let's take us back in time. Diddly do, diddly do, diddly 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 do. To the late period of 2018, where two young fellas, one a little bit younger than the other one, but nothing discernible if you were to meet them both in public, were discussing what to do for 2019. And one of them said to the other, why don't we rate every match that Dave Meltzer's given five stars or higher to? And the other one said, that sounds good. How many matches do we have to cover? I say 121 at this point, but I'm sure that we won't have to worry too much about doing any more than that. <laughs> I was wrong, but here we are. We're now about to lap ourselves, essentially, Simon, in the space-time continuum. Yes. Uh, we are. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going to let the genie out of the bottle, we, we'll, have, we'll have recorded a few of the first episodes before this match actually happened, I think. Uh, to break kayfabe, as it were. But, uh, Simon, what is our final match of 2018, a year that saw 21 five-star matches from Dave Meltzer, a record-breaker? More than double, I think, any other previous year. What was match 21 to achieve the five-star or higher rate? So it's a tag match between uh, with four men that have all been on the list before, some several times. Uh, it's the Golden Lovers... That is Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. It's champions versus challengers, but not tag champions. Mm. Kenny Omega obviously being IWGP champion uh, and Kota Ibushi having won quite recently the Never Openweight title. And at Wrestle Kingdom, of course, Tanahashi has got his G1 uh, briefcase and Will Ospreay is the number one contender for the Never Openweight title. That is indeed correct, Simon. So this is a preview. The likes of which I think many a promotion will like to do before a big event. Sometimes tag up their uh, their two faces. WWE did it a few times in the yeah. noughties. Well, uh, but, but, and, they, and they always put the tag titles on like the, the team that was due to face each other. I think Cena mm-hmm. and Michaels had it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they did Cena and Michaels against... Uh, well, that's a different way, isn't it? That was opponents mm-hmm. as partners. Um, but I'm thinking more like the the Raw before WrestleMania 18 saw Austin and Rock tag together against Hogan, Nash, and Hall. The only match to actually include an Austin-Hogan interaction, I believe. Ah. Mm. They always do... Um... Well, whenever the rosters are like merged, they always like will do like swapsies or something like that as well. As this, it's just a. They use it a lot. <laughs> but this was also funny. This was around the time that Chaos had started to interact, intermingle, and team up with New Japan um, home stars, you know, part of the New Japan team. So Chaos yeah. had officially become essentially a satellite good guy faction um, that had no problem teaming up with New Japan, even if it was people who'd been cast out of Chaos originally. Like around this time, I think Togi Makabe was tag-teaming with Toriano, who turned on him to create chaos in the first place. (laughs) 
So it's just, you know, that was, but that was also like seven years ago. These New Japan factions can go a very long, straight, long periods of time of existence. Yeah. That's because um, of all the divisions they've gotten, because they keep yeah. them so separate. There's freshness all the time. Well, it's also, it's just a, it's a way of uh, putting these people into consistent tag teams, six-man teams, eight-man teams, even ten-man teams for just regular minor shows or undercard matches so they don't have singles matches. You know, they make the singles matches special. but So the tag matches are of less significance. But what actually I think this match reminded me of the most in previ- to previous five-star matches we've covered. Do you want to have a guess what matches this uh, reminded me of the closest? The most? Ooh. Can I have a clue? You bloody loved one of them. <laughs> so, it involves Masanobu Fushi, then. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it Fushi and Taue versus uh, Misawa and Kabashi? Well, I mean, you've, you've missed out some of their other six-man partners. Yeah. But it's those six-man tag matches. It's those matches, Super Generation yeah. Army and Jumbo's Army, where, in the grand scheme of things, these aren't the most important matches in these feuds... But neither side is still willing to back down. And their feels, as the match goes on, it seems to increase in importance to both teams. And yeah. They really want that. You know, it's that old Michael Coleism, but it does feel like this is some sort of momentum uh, builder to win this match going in. It's a real confidence boost. Yeah. Well, of course, like in any like sport, you'd want momentum. Like It's difficult to... Uh... Envisage a scenario where you'd both want to lose, apart from that notorious uh, badminton match at London 2012. It's not that you both want to lose, it's just that you both, that you're not going to put... All your effort. It's like the difference between a a charity shield match, you know, or a community... That's showing your age there, community shield now. Community shield. Um, Or, um, for Americans, it's like going all balls to the wolf and the all-star game well, to be fair the all-star Super. game does have significance in the uh the winning team in the at least in the uh baseball one the winning conference gets the home they get the four home matches to the away team's three home matches during the um uh playoffs in the in the world series final yeah but if you're still in the super bowl or the world series you're not gonna like kill yourself to get that are you well, I mean, it's at the halfway point of the season, so they don't know one way or the other yet whether they're going to do it or not. Ah, okay. Oh, sorry. I, 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 was, I thought it was like American football where they have it, I think, a couple of weeks before the Super Bowl. No, that's, is that the Pro Bowl or what's that called? Pro Bowl, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I don't know much about them. American football is the one I know the least about out of all of the uh, American yeah. sports. Um, but this is not an American sport. It's a Japanese Well, it was American in a way. Um, what's also interesting about this match, I thought, was the differing uh, intensities of rivalries. Um, because you have the two clear head-to-head feuds of Ibushi and Osprey compared to Tanahashi and uh, uh, Omega and Tanahashi. Uh, yeah. Where there was a clear, and they were making it clear in the commentary, that there is actual dislike between Omega and Tanahashi. Yeah, whereas, Tanahashi's not liking Omega's attitude. Yeah, whereas Ibushi and uh, Osprey, it's more a competitive rivalry. The, and this is Osprey trying to make a step up in in um, in importance, you know, to beat someone who made the G1 Climax final. Yeah, and that's why he's heavyweight, the... theoretically. But this is really his 
step up to what we thought was a move straight up to the heavyweight division, but he's actually stayed in the juniors as well and essentially competed as an open weight wrestler, yeah. as the never open weight title would suggest. And exactly that having that title in that feud emphasizes that point. It's where like emphasizes can add that off your uh, bingo cards. <laughs> hey. But no, no, you get my point though. It's like yeah. it's like that he's fight he's fighting for the physical validation of being the never openweight champion because that's that yeah. solidifies his launch into that. And so division. much of this matches, but he also thinks he's defending the junior heavyweight division. That's really been Osprey's rallying call that he wants yeah. to stay a junior heavyweight, but show that junior heavyweights have as much worth in the heavyweight division. Um, yeah, and I it's think... and it. Be... And it helps his style as well. Yeah. Like the less weight he has, mm. the better for him, really. And also, so much of this match for Osprey is him showing off to um, intimidate Ibushi, essentially. Very early on, he's doing his Superman pose with the flips and dives and, and everything like that. Um, the whole match is him trying to show off to Ibushi and, and make Ibushi realise he's in for a hell of a match, as best exemplified by one of the best shot sequences ever in wrestling towards mm. the end. I assume you know what I'm talking about, so that is that the uh do, 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 do. Is that the cross slash stuff? No 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 it's when Ibushi goes up to give uh Osprey a springboard hurricane runner off the top. Yeah. And Osprey does a full somersault and lands on his feet. Oh okay. and then and then it cuts to uh, essentially a split screen where Ibushi's in the foreground and Osprey's in the background with his back to the camera and Ibushi in the foreground has a look of utter shock on his face that he can't quite believe Yes, I know Oh yeah, I've, yeah, I remember now Yeah, He's got that, <clears throat> you're right it's like he's seen a ghost in a way, not like it's just like he cannot comprehend what's in front of him, what, what has just occurred mm. And uh, continuing on from the way Os Omega's essentially been behaving since he won a Dominion, the IWGB heavyweight title, he is back to really quite heelish roots. When He's a proper when, dick early doors to Will. <laughs> yeah, when, when he and Ibushi are isolating Will Ospreay and cutting the ring in half, Ibushi is nowhere near as... Like, Ibushi's always aggressive because that's Ibushi's striking and, and his style. He loves but to Omega, kick men really o hard. Omega puts some stank in it whenever he's doing something, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, choking Will with his T-shirt early doors. Yeah. And uh, Kota always seems, like, a little bit unsure when Omega does things like that. He's like, mm. what are you doing, mate? That's a, that's a bit much. Uh, like, but doing, like, really classic old school like nasty boys heel moves like there's a bit where he ducks an enziguri from osprey and does the old pointing to the forehead pointing to the cranium to show how smart he's and then just knocking tanahashi off the apron <laughs> or just standing right in front of him with the with the was it with the belt or with the bullet club clothes or it might have been both whilst tanahashi's doing is taking his jacket off to reveal it all to the women and suddenly homosexual men Oh yeah, yes. It's when Tanahashi's taking it off. He's like facing the crowd, yeah. and Kenny's just standing right behind him with it's with the belt. Mm. And Tanahashi turns around and he's sort of caught off guard for a split yeah. sec by how close Omega is. Mm. Just, ah, he's just—it's mind games, isn't it? Though, like as well as momentum, this is a chance to like you know try and set up like real estate in your opponent's head. So yeah, like there are clear the clear intentions for this whole match are. Get across the hatred between Tanahashi and Omega. 
uh, get across the competitive edge, the competitive nature of the Osprey Ibushi uh, battle. Also, make Osprey look completely appropriate to be in this environment. Yeah. And it really is as much an Osprey exhibition, both in weirdly in the fact that he takes a beating at the start, but then comes back and starts overwhelming both of them and hitting, you know, crazy Spanish flies off the top rope. His Spanish fly is incredible. I'm not a huge fan of the Spanish fly. It's 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 along the lines of the Canadian destroyer as far as moves that and even the poison rana, really, as far as moves that the receiver actually has to do a lot more work than the taker. Mm. Than the giver, sorry. It's out of the three. It's the one. It's the safest one, I would think, because it's a flat back still. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is the safest one. Although from a standing position, it's very difficult to do. Yeah, uh, I don't mind it. Uh, I like. Uh, whereas you, you, you poison runners. Yeah. I think weirdly, I think it looked at its best when it was originally invented by, as far as I'm aware, the Maximo brothers. Uh, otherwise known along with the Amazing Red as the Spanish announce team. Uh, we okay. would do it off the top rope together. And whilst it's awkward setting it into position, it does kind of make sense that it's two people propelling another person up. Yeah. And what you're essentially just doing is a regular moonsault and the person receiving the move is essentially just having to do a, a somersault flip onto their back. Like a senton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not actually that... But then when you get into the standing versions, it's a lot, you know, obviously a lot less time to make the rotation, putting yourself in a lot more dangerous position to land on your head. And it's just one person as well. It's just how the hell are you finding that, you know, momentum to do it? What are you posting off of to do it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. But they're they're athletes. They're, They're in... Their athletic ability is insane. That's probably why it's. We think it's so dangerous. We can't really comprehend being that athletic. And the other thing that staggers you as well about Osprey is that he's in the ring with two incredibly quick wrestlers and another wrestler that in Tanahashi who's able to make everything look good. And he still seems to be on a level above the rest of them as far as the speed. Yeah. Like the the somersault kick that he'll do, you know, it just defies belief essentially mm. and it's paul robinson special i love as well mm. mainly because i love um england goalkeepers from the early noughties but... i'm trying to remember what that i've got it noted down and try to remember what it actually was he's it, like a um it's another it's a somersaulty style kick yeah but i think it's a kick to an opponent that's in like in a seated position mm. So he's also, like coming yeah, down he, onto it, you know. His kicks and strikes are fantastic. I love the one that he does to the person with their back to him, where he arcs his, arcs his leg and his foot seems to just connect perfectly mm. with the and the slapping of the leg, whether you like it or not. His timing on that is as good as Kenny Omega's. Yeah, he is really, really talented. Like, there's no two ways about it. And... I can't remember how old he is off the top of my head. Uh, he's still in his mid-twenties, I'm sure of that, and quite early into his mid-twenties. Yeah. But he's got so much left in the tank. and If he's physically capable of continuing after a certain time. Mm, well, like I said, this is around the time that... He's one of those people I have the confidence could adapt his style. It's not even the case of whether he can adapt his style. It's whether his body can survive long enough for him to be able to adapt it in the first place. Mm. Dynamite Kid could have adapted his style, but he didn't find the time to do it. And he was in a wheelchair by the time he was in his mid-30s. 
That's He's yeah. Six will Osprey. Okay. Yes. Well, still plenty of time. That makes him what three years younger than Okada. Or two yeah. or three years younger than Okada, yeah. yeah. No, actually, I think it makes him. I think he's like five years younger than Okada now. Ah, plenty of time. Five or six years younger, and he does seem to. Again, it seems like if anyone's gonna maybe even go further than Kenny Omega did as a gaijin, it might be Will Ospreay. Yeah, and whilst I, whilst I accept your point about Dynamite Kid, uh, I am gonna cling on to technology and what we know about the human body and how to. What, you think he's gonna recover. be a Terminator? No, I just in terms of like recovery like dealing with injuries is far more advanced than it was like 10 20 years ago and like yeah there's so being able to move the, and there's being able to wrestle yeah and the human body can only take absorb so much but you know I, i'm confident that he, he's not gonna he's gonna have more tools in the toolbox to overcome the obstacles than the dynamite kid had available to him so this, like I said, this was different to the uh, previous Golden Lovers tag match with uh, against Okada and Ishii uh, that was like a greatest hits showcase yeah. to a foreign crowd. This really was like a preview of upcoming attractions. Yeah. Uh, they, they really try and walk that line between not giving away the farm and not... Still having a nothing. thrilling match with yeah. really close falls and everything. Yeah. I think they they managed to walk that quite well, to be honest. Um, There was nothing, neither interaction that you're going to see at Wrestle Kingdom was overexposed, I feel, particularly. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I think it was wise that probably Omega interacted more with uh, Osprey and Ibushi maybe with, with Tanahashi. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got something ready made with Ibushi and Tanahashi's interactions. They were the G1 finalists. Mm. So, but, but yeah, there's a big, there's all big move uh, set, setting off at the end, and, and mostly it's I think people are I can't remember people are kicking out or having moves broken, but I think that um, I actually weirdly think that Tanashi and Osprey do more better teamwork together than Ibush than Ishii and Okada did, even though they're theoretically both Chaos members, and this is like a mixed, you know, an odd odd couple pairing. Yeah, um, I think that's... Like they do things like stereo, straight jacket suplexes and, and other stuff yeah. like that. I think Ishii's uh, and Okada's, because they were doing greatest hits, a lot of their greatest hits are around who they are as characters, in a sense, and who they are and like how they interact physically with others because of the characters they are. So Ishii is like his absorbing of punishment. It's pretty difficult to do that in stereo. Um, Okada's is like his picture perfect drop kicks. As much as I love Ishii, I don't think Ishii can get that high to do what Okada does there. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they complemented each other more, but then you, yeah. know, then, then you can do more fun things with di- teams of different statures and, Strengths, because like you know, my favorite sort of tag teams are usually like that, like the Heart Foundation and the British Bulldogs and all those sort of teams. Hurricane, um, is it, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another great example. The yeah, which connection. led to, but um, yeah. So where do we? Would you? Um, I'm not gonna quite give this one five stars. Uh, how about mm, you? No, I'm not either. It's very good. I um, think it might actually be my favorite of the three Golden Lovers matches that we've covered though this year. Mm. Um, I definitely think it's better than the Ishii um, uh, Ishii Okada tag match and I don't think it's 
insisting you... upon its greatness as much as the young bucks. <laughs> ah, okay. You think it's just? I don't think it has it the is. ambition of the Young Bucks match, but I, that also means it doesn't indulge itself too much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that match was indulgent. It was. Well, it was good, but it was indulgent. And I didn't give that one five stars. You uh, could uh, you could almost say it was more soap opera than yeah, it was yeah. a match. Whereas, like I said, this one, I think, did what job it was supposed to be, which was an exciting preview, where they weren't <laughs> really holding anything back that you could tell. But you know, yeah. these guys have just ridiculous gears that they can still step up to uh, beyond this. And Tanahashi, again, he doesn't do a lot, but he makes... Like, well, that's that's not fair. He makes it so doing any something, anything matters. He makes what he does matter. Yeah. So therefore, he doesn't need to go in fifth gear and in what, matches like and this. And what he had to get across in this match more than anything was the issues that he had with Omega. Yeah. It was very believable in this match. Like, he's the straight, virtuous, you know, serious babyface, and Omega seems to be the more over, over the arrogance. Because he's, he's essentially like, well, I'm, I've am i beaten the guy that, you know. And his arrogance is on an upward trajectory as yeah. well. Yeah. So, like, he's gro- he's growing in, like, you know, his, his belief in himself, and mm. therefore his lack of belief in his opponents. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a man who's not, who's past his prime. Yeah. And as far as Omega probably thinks, essentially fluked his way to where he is now. Yeah. And is and has the audacity to criticize him, you know, he's like an old man yells at cloud situation. He's like yeah. you're not the first person to tell me that I'm wrong. Yeah. And, and your old-fashioned ways are the ways to go. But we'll have to see Simon. So I'm not giving this one five stars. Are you giving it five stars? I'm not, no. Where would you rank it against the three Golden Lovers matches? Uh, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, the, I mean, uh, there is indulgence in the Young Bucks match, but it is still a very good match. Mm. So, uh, it's, a, it's a straight toss-up. I'd yeah. possibly even maybe mark this one second. Mm. Um. Yeah, no, I put this I put this middle of the pack thinking about it. Okay. So, that has been 2018. Whew! Theresa May came back with a Brexit deal and lots of matches got five stars. Uh, not much else happened I don't think that year. Well, cup yet, mate. Mm. England made the semi-finals. Yeah, that too. Thanos snapped his fingers. Yep. Um was Me Too 2018 or was that 2017? Uh, Me Too was sort of 2017, but bled into 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Trying to think what else was important that happened in 2018. Uh, it was only last year. How are we this bad at this? Well, like, what, I guess it all sort of bleeds together, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, Prince Andrew thought he got away with it. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself in 2018. No, he didn't. Yeah. Or any other year. Or any other year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you believe that, you'll believe anything. To be fair, yeah. Um, I'm not going to be fair to him actually. Um, so that was 2018, and that of course requires some sort of debrief. 
And it's been a long time since we did debrief. <sighs> yes, yes, we staved off. since we debriefed. We, we staved off deliberately just to cover this entire calendar year first. And it's going um, to say, Simon, you've got some thinking to do. Because whilst oh. I gave a grand total of four matches from this 20-match run, this 20 match run uh, you gave a lot more than that, five stars. Uh, so your your revised top ten may be very interesting, very different, very twenty eighteen heavy. It could be yeah, quite uh, have a big recency bias to it. You're right. Yeah. Um, Whipper snapper. Do you remember there was a time you wondered if I was ever going yeah. to five star rating in this? Not my fault. Eighties wrestling was shit. <laughs> Not all of it, but. I'm but if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, to maybe give you some final tips as you revise that list, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of Jeffrey Epstein memes I have laughed at today. <laughs> My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for assisted suicide. <laughs> N for no, no way. way did he kill no himself. Way, <laughs> that's my twitter handle that's my instagram account that's my twitter handle that's my uh facebook letterbox i've repeated myself somewhere there you put at gmail.com at the end of it uh Lorcan mullen then that's also my uh, email address you can get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com lmtyspod is also the show's twitter handle what? uh but there's nothing much left for us to say now uh except that my name's Lorcan mullen And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.